Greetings and welcome to our Pulse and Foursquare podcast. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins, and I greatly appreciate you have joined us today. Throughout this year of 2022, God has led me to emphasize unity among the Church of Jesus Christ. As written in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, the Apostle Paul wrote to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, especially in these last days in which we live, I believe God is calling His church and His bride to come together as one in Christ. And in doing so, it really displays the beauty of what we are all to be and how His church and His kingdom will grow and reach our world today. So as we go through the Word together, I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to you through these messages and give you wisdom and revelation as to how we are called to be His unified church and then sent out to be witnesses of His Word, His love, and His presence. I pray that you will be blessed by our podcast and that you will be edified and enriched in God's Word today. So may God bless you all. First Corinthians 13, I've been going through descriptions on love. And this is the last week I'm going to talk on love. <laughs> no. The last, uh, at least the ones that are described by Paul, some descriptions of love. No, we probably talk about love every week uh, here. But... As I've been going through these descriptions of love, really they're a picture of God, who God is, and his love for us, and just defining a little bit of each one of those uh, as we've been going along. So this is the fifth uh, message on what love is. What is love? And um, I want to read through those here in a moment again. I hope that God's spoken to you uh, through some of these. I hope that uh, it's just come to a deeper understanding of the love of God um, that, you know, where are you at with God's love? Where are you at? Have you, uh, has anyone ever asked you, have you received the love of God in your life? Have you come to a deeper revelation of the love of God? Uh, there's different ways to describe it. Um, do you know that God loves you? Deep in your soul, do you, or knower sometimes I say, in your knower, I know I am loved by God. And when I'm loved by God, it really should or does change everything about you. When I'm loved by God, it, it should change your countenance, it should change your attitude, it should change uh, the way um, you live your life. And hopefully you don't sin so much either <laughs> in the process. That I know when I'm loved by God that I'm not led into other temptations. So there's a lot to the love of God. My hope is that you will want to know or be about more, more about the love of God. Because there's probably nothing more important for us to know and for us to experience in life. And so as we are changed by the love of God, he changes us and we become then more like him. He is our perfect example that we are to follow. And these characteristics of God's love start to show up in my life and in your life, hopefully, and it is meant to last really forever. Um, so I want to read those again. We're just going to go through all of them starting in verse 4, 1 Corinthians 
13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And in verse 8, we'll just read the first portion of that. Love never fails. It never fails us. Lord God, we thank you. As we ponder, as we hear your Holy Spirit speaking to us about your love, I ask for just a deepening of our understanding in our spirit, in our soul, Lord, where we can come to a greater revelation of the Father's love for us today. Even some of the songs we sang about today of your faithfulness, you are never failing us. You are always there. Lord, we can trust you. You are always a good God that we can call on, and you are always there for us. In Jesus' name, you are a promise keeper. Amen. Amen. Um, has love ever failed you in your life? Yeah, I, I'm sure we have a lot of sad stories um, about how love. I could tell you a few. My third grade bro broke third grade crush. You know, broke my heart. You know, <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was infatuation. It wasn't really love. but uh, Or if we were to take this personally, um, have you ever failed to love someone else? Or I just don't know how to love that person. I'm struggling to love that person. Um, and we've all heard the saying, I've fallen in love with you or with so and so forth. And... Uh, Failing in love or falling in love also means that you can fall out of love, right? <laughs> it's not the greatest way to describe love. I, we get it. I understand you, you fell in love and, and so on. But, um, and maybe you've experienced that. But love does fail in life sometimes. Um, however, the word of God, speaking in particular of God's love, does not fail us. It doesn't fail us. That's, that's what a description of who God is. He's not going to fail you. He's not going to stop loving you. No matter how bad you are or you think you are, he doesn't stop loving you. So, how does love fail? How can you reconcile those things? What a... What can you do about it? And, and Scripture really has the standard. But in pra practicality, it doesn't always happen. As I've said over and over, love is doing what is best for others no matter what it costs you. That's a way to describe how we are to love. What did it cost Jesus? Obviously everything. It cost him his very life for us. And we are then to lay our lives down for other people. It is gonna, does love cost you something? Usually, yes, it does. Love is more than just a feeling. It is a choice. 
It is an action that we take and make, and it takes time, it takes effort, and the very first thing I want to emphasize on this is that love is an investment. Uh, One thing I've learned early on in my younger years was um, to to check the fluids in my vehicles. (laughs) To check the fluids in my vehicles because... Uh, obviously, um, I haven't always had the newest vehicles around, um, and, you know, it burned oil. So if you don't check the oil, it's going to kill your engine. I've had to communicate that to my own children over the years, and some of them listened and some of them did not. <laughs> and then the car goes, and seizes up, and they said, Dad, um, my car stopped working. I said, did you check the oil? What? <laughs> and then they're out of a vehicle because they completely cooked their engine. Um, there have been times I or my children have had to learn the hard way, especially with vehicles. Um, I don't know if I would call a vehicle an investment uh, unless you're really good at restoring old vehicles. And some, I know a few people that know how to make a vehicle an investment and they know how to fix it and they could sell it and make a profit. I haven't been that way so much. <laughs> I mean, I, when you buy an old clunker, uh, it's hard to sell it for more than you bought. Well, nowadays you can. Nowadays you can. I mean, in the last couple of years, if you bought it for, you know, so-and-so, it's probably worth you know, 40% more than you bought it for a couple years ago, the way, way prices are these days. But love is a choice, and it's also an investment we have to make. Part of love is making a conscious and daily choice to love, regardless of how you feel about it. Um, and I often, again, about vehicles, I said, every time you go get gas... Just pull the dipstick out and check it. It's, it's a choice you have to make. It's a part of having responsibilities. You have to check things to make sure they're going to keep going, right? And, and that's, I would say, even in reference to love, there are things that you have to, you know, pull the dipstick. I don't know. <laughs> you, have to, you have to check. You have to make sure. You have to take responsibility for things. There are choices. If we get lackadaisical and ignore loving, can it have negative results? Absolutely. Like checking the oil. Or some. if you've ever read the Five Love Language book, which I highly recommend, um, check the love tank because it might be bone dry. It might be on empty. The love tank, you know, Maybe one of our, our spouse or our children are running on empty because their love tank is not being filled up. If you read the book, you'll understand that a little bit more. But uh, how are you doing at showing love to your spouse or to your children? Uh, sometimes we have to give ourselves reminders to love. Again, the greatest thing to do is have a daily investment. And a daily investment in what? What are primary things that we should invest in. The Word of God. Invest time into the Word of God. Invest time into prayer. Invest time into worship of our God. 
You're here because you are, I would say, are making this a priority. You could say, I'm making an investment. Maybe I'm also doing this uh, for myself, but I'm also doing this for my kids. I'm also doing this to be an example to my children or my grandchildren. I'm doing this more than just even for myself. I'm doing this. I'm making this time a priority. And the I'm investing in the presence of the love of God. And when I do that, I believe he will change me. I'll be changed in his presence. If you have stocks or you have this portfolio of investments, do you check it often? Do you, well... You know, if you're a long-term investor, you're probably not going to check it as much. But if you're a daily stock trader, you're going to check it about every three hours probably, (laughs) right? I'm going to check my portfolio. Um, If you made an investment in real estate or you make an investment in a business, uh, do you ever check on its value or to see how your business is doing? If you have a child, if you have a baby, you don't have a choice but to check on it often. <laughs> you have to check on it hourly or you know, every minute. Uh, you can't ignore your child, your baby. Uh, they will quickly remind you that they are the center of attention. And they're often, especially with an infant, that you have to choose to love them at three in the morning or to change them or to feed them, so on. Then you invest in them their whole life. Their whole life, it never stops. You love them, you teach them, you train them, you discipline them, lead them in the ways of the Lord your whole life. I think children are probably one of the greatest investments we could ever have. I believe investing in our kids, in our younger generations, to raise them up, to give them opportunities to have a, to, to try, to learn, to grow, um, put the training wheels on and then let them, let them go. Take the training wheels off eventually. And you know what? Um, sometimes they will crash. <laughs> sometimes you have to be there to pick them up and put a Band-Aid on their knees. Love is a choice regardless of the situation. It sets aside your personal agendas, your wants and feelings, and puts others above yourself. It is an investment um, that is in it for life, not just a quick fix, not just the Band-Aid, like I just said, but it's not a quick fix. It's being a lifelong investor rather than just that day trader. How many of you know the concept of buying things with quality? I mean, I like to have things that are, you know, going to last. If we only get the cheapest things, they're not going to last as long. They're not going to hold up. There are some things that I buy that I want to last longer, don't you? I want to last to, you know. And they usually cost a little bit more for quality products. Um, Otherwise, you may want to invest in duct tape because it can fix anything, right? (laughs) But now I can, you can get duct tape in all kinds of cool colors. That's the cool thing about it, you know? It has all kinds of, you know, neon and everything else where it used to only be gray. So, hey, there you go. 
Investments in love does not mean it will always cost you a lot of money. Um, it's really the heart behind it that counts. Um, there's things that you can do that don't cost you anything but uh, consideration, a little bit of time. I thought about you. I made that call. I made that text message. Um, stopping by, giving someone a coffee, spending time with them, doing an acts of service project for somebody, um, or even just sitting with them and visiting. Taking time to listen to someone is a great way to show them love. It might be a back rub or a hug may be just what someone needs at that moment. 1 John 4, 7 through 12 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This really says everything I was trying to describe. That God is love. That we did not love God, but as we give our lives to God, he does change us. Uh, if we love one another, God lives in us and he's made, his love is made complete in us. So, uh, my second point is true love is knowing God. As we read that scripture, God is love. He is the, he is who love is. Now, love is the basis of true love. God is the basis of true love. Now, some may even argue that um, non-believers, non-Christians, and some, even some atheists can show love better than some Christians. I've heard that. I've heard that from others. Uh, and while that, that may seem true, that sometimes there are non-believers that show better love than some Christians do, because, you know, apologetically, some Christians can be hypocrites, um, maybe we own it. <laughs> I've been a hypocrite. Um, God is still love, and he still created mankind in his own image. And to be loved and to know him and to glorify him. There are, act, there are things about God that is even shown in a non-believer because he's created all mankind in his image. And then to show love, but they might not recognize it as God, but it's still God. <clears throat> Even non-believers can understand love better than some believers. But when we come to know God, God wants us to experience his love and walk in the power of his Holy Spirit to then have a deeper understanding and I would say even gratitude where this, where this has come from. I, I thank God. I can recognize it is God in me that helps me to be loved 
and to show love. God's love is really something that can never be measured, something that I can never completely fathom. Uh, You can't just check a box that you've figured out God's love. It doesn't work that way. It's really unfathomable. It's like trying to figure out outer space. Um, Just our our sun alone can fit 960,000 planet Earths in the size of the circumference of the sun. 960,000 Earths within the sun. That's a lot. (laughs) There are countless stars and galaxies and thousands of light years away. Outer space is so vast that no human has ever found the outer limits or the end of it. That's really a picture of who God is and his love. It's unfathomable. I can't even understand not having any limits because we're limited in our world by time. Um, And we put limits on things. We put restrictions on things. But God's love is not restricted. God's love and his mercy and his grace and all that we have are his unfathomable love for us. And today, we are not able to comprehend or to figure out the depths of that entirely. But what can we do is receive and experience God's love. And you can ask God to show you more of his love. To open your, the eyes of your heart to even greater understanding or depths of his love. That's a good prayer to pray. Um, Just let God love on you. And in knowing God's love, you can have that peace and joy and comfort in knowing that you don't have to do anything to earn God's love or his approval, nor can you do anything to make God love you more than he already does. His agape love is unconditional. And again, do you know God loves you? Have I told you the story of how, you know, someone asked me that a number of years ago and I, I couldn't get past the head part of it? I couldn't get really past the understanding of, yeah, I know God loves me. The Bible tells me so. <laughs> it's like, I, I mean... Yeah, I, I understand God's love. I, I've, a, I've had an understanding of God's love. And, and this person was just really sincere with me and just said, Greg, I think basically in, in a nice way, you're missing it. <laughs> and missing it that I wasn't completely uh, getting it. I wasn't getting the understanding of God's love and And I just began, you might say, um, a quest to, God, please show me what I'm missing. Because I think some people are seeing things in me that I'm lacking. And one thing, the things that I learned in that was a lot of my disappointments in life and a lot of my hurts in life had closed me off. The failings of love, just what I'm talking about, had built a wall around me I didn't even know I had that really kept, if you will, a 
a protection around my, my heart from being hurt again through rejection and, and various other things that I'm just like, you know what? Uh, I'm good. I, I'm good. You know, and you know what I mean by that. Um, I, I'm okay. But was I really okay? Um, not so much. I just learned to ignore it, and I kind of lived in Numville for a number of years. I just didn't know I lived in Numville. Being numb in the sense that nothing can hurt me anymore. I've got a lot of calluses right now, so I don't get hurt anymore. And so when I went on this quest, you might say, I had some people pray with me, and um, I just was able to let God just kind of melt away a lot of that hurt in me. And part of it was through forgiving others that had hurt me, uh, releasing that to the Lord, um, and just letting God love on me. In a, in a way, I, I don't think I had quite ever understood. And I can just remember, I was just like a... Yeah, it was an emotional time for me, but it was, it was powerful. Why is it sometimes difficult to receive love? In all our independence um, and our hurtful experiences, many of us have struggled in these ways. And because of those bad experiences, like myself, we can just shut down. And we just want to be left alone. Just leave me alone. Uh, people uh, that are needy sometimes have a hard time accepting help from others. Uh, for those reasons, some of those reasons, and it's hard not to, not being able to take care of ourselves. It's hard to uh, fight or break that independent spirit in us. Especially uh, if you're a do-it person and and you just get to that season in life where you just can't do things like you used to do them, and you have to, <laughs> and you have to ask for help. Uh, that can be a very humbling situation. Just like, ah, I need to ask for help, or I need to get my wallet out and you know pay someone else to help me get some of these things. But it can be part of just I'm a needy person. But really, we're all needy. Okay, the reality is we are, and God knew that about each of us. He knows we all need to be loved, and there's not a single thing He wants more for us than to know and to receive his love. I don't think there really is anything more important to God than to know that you're loved by God. What happens with you when you know you are loved? What happens when you know I'm a loved person? You glow. I mean, that's really what it happens, right? The newlywed couple that are just giggling and happy the love just shows in their life. And some of us crusty old people are like, yeah, that'll wear off. <laughs> no. <laughs> but love, again, is a verb. It is an action. And certainly love has feelings, but it is more than just that feeling. Love is a choice we make, but we also must receive and again, I think even just understanding uh, back to the love language, speaking the love language of your loved one. And usually it's not your primary love language. 
learning to speak their love language so that you're, you're considering others more important than yourself. Sometimes I think the way people react to love is much like trying to sh- show love to a cat. Cats only want affection when they want it. And trying to hug a cat or to have them sit on your lap when they don't want it is next to impossible. They'll scratch your face off and your arms and, uh, yeah, leave you bandaged up. Uh, God loves us and wants intimacy with him. And he knows the only way to break that the independent or what I've often said, the orphan thinking. Now, this was part of my, again, my quest. I don't want to go into this too deep today, but the orphan thinking means that you don't think that you have a place in the Father's heart. That you live like an orphan, that I'm all on my own, I don't have a home in the Father's embrace. So therefore, as a orphan thinking, I'm left on my own, I gotta provide for myself, I gotta take care of myself, I have to worry about everything. Because I don't really trust God. I don't think he loves me enough to take care of me. It's where we come to know that we do have a home with him. The only way to break the orphan thinking in us is to have a revelation of the love of the Father. There's no other way. It's not like casting a demon out. It's not what I'm saying. It's, it's actually the orphan thinking, or sometimes people say orphan spirit, It's that spirit or that thinking in us that just consumes us where we just feel we're we're left on our own. But what does God say about his love even in the sense that I no longer call you orphans, I call you my children. I no longer call you servants, I call you my friends. And one picture that is described of the Abba Father picture of Father God is that that was a place of intimacy, Papa. Now, to a Jew, they would say, oh, that is blasphemous to ever call God Abba Father because that would be intimate uh, place for a, a parental role or a fatherly role. And that's exactly what God wants to say. I've adopted you. You can call me Abba Father, Papa God. And you, there's no formula. I'm not saying that there is a formula. Do these three steps and then you'll get it. I'm not trying to give you that today. I'm trying to just say, if you ask for God to show him his love to you, he will do it in the way that you need it the most. And he, some can get it instantaneously and just like, I got it. Finally, the light bulb came on. And I understand it now. And I'm not just talking about your knower. I'm not just talking about your brain. I'm talking about your soul. Where you just like, I get it in my spirit now. I get it. Okay? He wants that intimacy. He wants, because he knows he's the only way to break that orphan thinking. It's where we come to know and trust in him that he does love us. He will take care of me.
Romans chapter 5, verse 8 tells us, God demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. He demonstrated means he showed it to us. He put it, his love on display for us all to see on the cross. The cross is the ultimate symbol of God's love. We have made crosses look pretty out of precious metal or wood, but what makes the cross beautiful? The cross was meant to be a horrific torture device. It was a symbol of suffering and death. What makes the cross beautiful is not in the cross itself, but recognizing what it symbolizes and what Jesus did for you and me. It's forever that reminder to us as we partake of communion as we did of God's love that he demonstrated his love for me on the cross. He humbled himself by taking on humanity first and foremost and then he lived a sinless life and he became my sacrifice for my sin. He died that sinner's death for something that he never did wrong himself. While we are yet sinners, Christ died for you and me. What does that tell you? First of all, I have to admit that I've sinned. Every one of us has sinned. We've all rebelled against God. We've all pushed him away. Therefore, God sent his son into our, our rebellion. He came as a light into our darkness He came to demonstrate and show his love to us. And he came after us even when we didn't want him. He pursued us when we didn't want to be pursued. That's what what Christianity, uh, that's what the message of Easter, that's the message of Christmas is all about. But really it's one to be celebrated all year long. God's love pursues us with his love. And it is his kindness that leads us to repentance as I read earlier. It's his love that draws us to himself. It says in Romans 5 that no one could come to the Father except he be drawn. So there's some point in all of us that he's drawn us to himself and we responded to that. We acknowledged that. We said, yes, I do need that. I felt the conviction, whatever it was. Uh, It could have been through a friend. It could have been through a, a prompting all on your own. It could have been in a church service somewhere. It could have been somewhere where you finally said yes to Jesus. Or maybe it is God still calling you to that place and we still need to respond to it. You know what? I responded to it, but I keep on responding to it. I keep on keeping on. I keep on believing. Belief is not I believed and then it was in the past tense. Believing means I keep on believing. I keep on acknowledging I need Jesus in my life. It is his love that pursues me and will continue to draw me to himself, not just once, but forever. We can't fix ourselves. Without Christ, we're dead. We can't resurrect ourselves. Only Jesus can be our resurrection in our life. What type of love did the Father God have to send his son to die? What type of love did he have to pour out his wrath on Jesus while he hung on the cross? Why did he do that? He knew we couldn't save ourselves. He knew what died on the day that Adam and Eve ate from that tree. 
the, the, the severing of an intimate relationship, not in the sense of severing that they never ever could talk to God again, but sin brought death. It brought a separation between man and God. And that's what it's done for us. Without Jesus, we can't be reunited without him as our, as our mediator, as our covering, the blood of Jesus that needs to wash me so that I can be, I can have back what was lost since creation. 1 John 4.10 says, This is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Again, I can ask you, do you know how much God loves you? How have you been transformed by God's love? If someone was to ask you, how have you been changed by God's love? And I hope that you can give them an answer to that. How has love changed me? Well, I'm not the same person I was before. You know, I was a much more angry person. I'm not that person anymore. I'm not depressed like I was before. I'm not carrying around this burden like I was before. Whatever that might be similar to your answer, I don't know what your answer would be. What does God want us to do with his love? And we read again, it says 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. 1 John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. And in John, the Gospel of John, John 13, 34 through 35. A new command I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's the picture of God in us is that we show his love. People will know you are his disciples if you love. God not only wants us to experience and be transformed by his love, but he gives us that command to love one another. Again, that's not just a suggestion. That's a choice that you have to make. And it's kind of like checking your investments, making sure that you're doing it. It's that command. Showing love is the evidence of being in a love relationship with God. And things that we love should be evident. They usually are because that's what you're about. It's easy to see what you love. If you love God and know you are loved by God, it will show to other people. That person always talks about Jesus. That person always is talking, you know, is always happy or, you know, always whatever. But if it's, you know, you love cars or you love uh, certain music, you love certain celebrities, you know, whatever it may be, that's what you're going to show to other people. So how can you show love? It could, you know, by telling that you love them. That's a good way to do it. Uh, it's a simple thing, but we, all, we probably don't say it enough. Just try it. Tell someone you love them. Give them a hug. Call someone. Visit them. Like I said, it's sometimes the simple things that don't really have to cost you anything. Let them know you're thinking about them or perhaps praying for them. Help someone with those practical needs or showing love and taking responsibility you know what? Probably a good way to show love is taking responsibility for the mistakes that you made. 
at times and asking for forgiveness from them. That's a good way to show love. Humbling yourself and asking for forgiveness. If you've ever pushed love away, you know it's usually not because you don't want to be loved because I think deep down inside everyone wants to be loved. Everyone wants to be accepted. It's only because somewhere deep down love has failed you, as I mentioned. Deep-rooted hurts in our lives and often push people away. We're uncomfortable with sometime, with love at times. And sometimes we put conditions on love. If you do this or that, I'll love you. But if you don't do that, I won't love you, right? But thankfully, God loves us, and he does not show favoritism. He does not show partiality. Regardless of whether we are lovable or not, do we, we sometimes base conditions on our love? Probably yes. How does God love you? Does he put conditions on your love, on his love for you? There's certain things that he wants us to do, yes. He wants us to respond to him. Doesn't mean he doesn't still love you. Knowing God is to know love, but we first need to receive that love. And the question is, is God your first love? Above all, he should be your first love. You know, I've, I've tried to teach this to others. I've tried to teach this to my kids. Is God your first love? Is your future spouse or future boyfriend or girlfriend your first, is God their first love? If it's not, then don't pursue the relationship with them. Don't. Because God should be our number one. Absolutely. Will you receive God's love today? Will you give God even those hurts, some of those cares, some of those worries to him? He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set the captives free. He came so that we can be forgiven and enter into that intimate relationship with him. And he loves us. He will take care of us. We are no longer orphans, but we are children whom he has loved, whom he is well pleased. And we have a home with the Father that we can call Abba Father. Will you let his love in today? If you've distanced yourself from his love or other people's love, he is always willing to take you back. The warranty will not give out. It will not time out or expire. You know, sorry you missed it. You know, you had a two-year warranty, but you didn't pay the fee. You know, just, it was just $3.99 or $99 a month for four months. Four easy payments that you could extend warranty for these indulgences. But God's love is not like that. It doesn't expire. As long as we have a heartbeat, as long as we have breath in our lungs, he will love us the same and keep on pursuing us till the moment we say either yes to him or those that reject him. He never gives up on you. Admittedly, I have failed at love, and likely we all have. And lastly, I just want to close with the, the last thing is that true love finds freedom from failures. That where love has perhaps failed or you have failed in love, I can find freedom 
from my failures. God, for, for mo- the most part, never fails at me. That is true. If you've ever failed, God can redeem you. If you have been hurt by someone else's failures, the good news is that you can be healed. Our God heals in our bodies, physically, in our soul, in our mind, our will, and our emotions, and our spirit. He came to set the captives free. And many people don't know they are in captivity because they've been living that way for years. They don't know they are lost without God's love, and that is why they look for love in all the wrong places. The first thing we need to do is admit to our failures. We humble ourselves. We acknowledge that we are sinners. We are in need of a Savior. We need Jesus. He is the answer. He died on the cross for my sin and for your sin. We acknowledge that even today already as we invited you to come partake of communion. I hope that you can find freedom and forgiveness and walk out of here having the weights and the shackles being taken off because he, we can find freedom from our failures in Christ. Failures can sometimes not be all, be all that bad. Failures can actually sometimes be good for us. There are countless examples of people that have failed but kept on going and they succeeded. Guys like Thomas Edison literally tried hundreds and hundreds of inventions that failed miserably. But finally he created some that actually worked, like the incandescent light bulb. He actually kept on going. I'm not going to give up. Sometimes failures is not a bad thing, but sometimes we want to protect. Again, this is part of my hurt. Sometimes we put that on our children or on our grandchildren. I don't want you to hurt, so I don't ever want you to fail. I want to protect you and put you in bubble wrap all the time so that you'll never get hurt. But sometimes you have to let people fail at the same time. Sometimes you have to let your spouse fail and you're going, okay. Sometimes we learn from our failures, right? Just by shutting our mouth and stop trying to play God. Sometimes we have to just go, okay, does God ever let us fail? Yep. Especially when we ignore his plan and we go off on our own. He goes, go your way. Have it your way. You can do it your way. (laughs) Doesn't mean it's going to go well for you. If you haven't failed, you probably haven't taken any risks. If you haven't failed, you probably haven't lived either. Living by faith is risky, but it's also faith is necessary. There's risk with faith, but assuredly you can trust God no matter what you've done or will do. God loves you. He calls us to himself over and over and over. Look to the cross. It represents our failure intersecting with God's love for us. Jesus will never leave you. He will never forsake you. So today, again, will will you receive his love for you? Will you just ask God in the simplicity of this moment, just say, God, I just ask for your 
you to heal me of my brokenness, my, my failures. I admit to them. I lay down my failures. I lay down those things. I lay down where I have failed at love. I, I forgive those who have failed me. I admit to those, I confess them to God, and I believe that you love me, that you forgive me, and I receive your healing and your cleansing today. Can you do that in this moment? Can we just close with that today? Lord God, I thank you that you never give up on me. You never fail me. You are a faithful God who loves us, And Lord, may we just even have a deeper revelation of the Father's love, even now, your heavenly, perfect love. Lord God, I just want to know what that is. I want to receive that. If my heart has been hurt by stuff, Lord, would you just take those things from me? I forgive those, even my loved ones that have hurt me. I forgive leaders. I forgive family members, friends. I want to be free. Lord, I want this burden to be lifted off of me. And I just give it unto you, Lord. Lord, that I can walk in freedom. You came to set me free. And by the blood of Jesus, you not only forgive me of my greatest failures of my sin, but Lord, you also paid for my healing in my body, in my soul, and my spirit. And Lord, I ask that freedom for everyone else here too. Lord, and if we've never acknowledged you as our Savior and Lord, today is a moment. You're pursuing us again. You're inviting us to accept you as our Lord and our Savior. And again, I just admit my failures, I admit my sin to you, and I say, I need you, Jesus. I believe what you did on the cross was enough for me. And I receive the gift of life and salvation. Eternal life, that is. And that begins right now. Thank you, Jesus, for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. My name is Billy and I'm the online media director here at Polson Foursquare. I hope that the message was encouraging to you. And if it was, consider subscribing or following us or even sharing it with a friend. If you're looking for more information, you can find that at polsonfoursquare.org or check out our Facebook. With that, I hope that you have a blessed week and we'll catch you next time.